0: mobilized by the secret masters they are the department of nerdly affairs
1: hello operatives and welcome to the department of nerdly affairs i'm your host rob patterson here with my co-host don chisholm
0: recording from the apocalypse since 2020
1: awesome possum don aren't we all And tonight, we're going to be talking about light novels. And to help us with our discussion of light novels, we have Jonathan Salee, author and publisher of Novel Horizons. Welcome to the show, Jonathan.
2: Hey, Rob. Great to be here. I'm just checking in from the freshly thawed out Texas.
1: And how are things down in Texas, Jonathan? Back to
2: normal, with the weather being as sporadic as it usually is. The winter wonderland ended as
1: quickly as it came. Wow that that's that's pretty good cuz we're still in the depths of winter up here in canada and we probably will be for a good five or six more weeks depending
2: you wouldn't believe it if i told you it went from negative 10 to 60 in one day oh god
1: wow no you're well as a canadian i've seen that kind of temperature swing we do get that kind but that is pretty crazy for texas um can i ask where in texas you're based we are based in dallas texas Okay, so what's the winter like usually in Dallas, Texas, like uh, temperature-wise?
2: Warm and toasty.
1: <laughs> okay, then. So what you're saying is people were not exactly prepared for minus 10. There is no pre- preparation for anything
2: below 60 degrees here in Texas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would explain why things got shut right down. All right. So, yeah, okay. So, um, Jonathan, tell us a little bit about your background, you as a, you as a person and as a writer. Well, it
2: all started back in the 20th century Ooh. in Chicago, mm-hmm. where, on a, I'm just kidding, I'm not going to go from all the way back then. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, well, you can if you want to.
2: No, um, my background is more around uh, game design, so I started off with uh, animation, actually, and I wanted to start doing things like that but as I went through my college career I eventually shifted over from animation to graphic design and then to game design and somewhere along the way I had the idea where I wanted to make video games and I was like you know what let me make some games and around the time I was a college freshman is where I picked up the hobby of watching anime and I was like this stuff is fantastic let me make Mm -hmm. some games off of this and it
1: just kind of went on from there so did you make any games? Oh, did you uh, I noticed that the Novel Horizons was used to be a gaming studio. Uh, did you have any releases?
2: So Sun Reviewer Studios, which was the original incarnation of Novel Horizons, and mm-hmm. but now more is like an overarching umbrella company name. Uh, okay. they did have a few, like two releases, and we have a third one that's still in production mm-hmm. that's going to come out. They were both classified as visual novels. The first one got canceled because of funding issues, ghosting artists, a bunch of other stuff. The Mm -hmm. second one is actually the progenitor to our newest light novel series, which ended up doing poorly because back then we weren't publishers. We were just developers. And we teamed up with a publisher who ended up taking all the money for themselves and just piecing out.
1: (laughs) Right. Okay. So what was the game called?
2: So the first visual novel was Dawn Drop. That one Mm -hmm. was the one they canceled. The second one is the same name as the light novel, Azure Wing. Oh,
1: Azure Wing. Okay, yes, I've seen that on your uh, Novel Horizons website. Azure Wing's been mentioned. What's the story behind Azure Wing?
2: Ooh. So this story actually, so you know how when you're like a little kid, you always write your little fan fictions and your little stories and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. Of course. So Azure Wing started off like that with – the character known as Phoenix, and his partner, Sylvia. Mm-hmm. Always, it was always those two. Just I threw them into different worlds over and over and over again. And I kind of changed the relationship along the way. Siblings, uh, romance, they meet along the way, the adventure, or something like that. Because I kept trying to find the right way to make it work until eventually mm-hmm. it turned into Azure Wing, which is a fantasy action story where... In a sense, it's post apocalyptic because the human society has crumbled. Mm-hmm. And mythical creatures, as you know, have basically risen up to fill in the space, so to right. speak. Mm-hmm. And the main character was frozen in cryo and wakes up in this new humanless environment. And it's just kind of him figuring out what's going on and seeing what happened because it's, a whole lot of stuff is different. If that makes any sense.
1: No, no, that makes total sense. It sounds like the, uh, it's kind of your take on the isekai thing, where the main character from modern day gets plunked into a fantasy world and they're off and running.
2: Yeah, it's like isekai without the dying.
1: <laughs> without without, yeah, without, tr- without Truck Coon, yeah,
2: yeah, we get yeah, without, it. <laughs> without the big truck smacking him. No. Uh, <laughs> so, basically, the background for Azure Wing mm-hmm. more specifically is there was a war between the humans and these mythical creatures that go by Ethereans.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And the war started very sporadically because there was supposed to be peace between them. The main character is a soldier fighting for the human side, and he has his partner named Sylvia. Mm -hmm. And somewhere along the way, he ends up gaining prestige for being a powerful warrior, but he ends up getting frozen in a certain mission. Fast forward about 900, 1,000 years, the freezing finally breaks, and he finds himself in this world that he doesn't know. And and then he learns that the humans somehow lost the war, even though back then the situation was heavily favoring them. So
1: Mm -hmm. now he has to
2: figure out how they lost the war and what's happened to humanity in those times that he's been
1: taking a long ice now that's that's a pretty good premise yeah okay hmm. yeah that, that that works um it beats being getting stuck in a cave and waking up 400 years later um <laughs> oh actually he does wake <laughs> up in a cave <laughs> um <clears throat> do, you, do you know that i just made a buck rogers joke out of curiosity yes okay just checking <laughs> okay but if you're going for the classic that's good okay that, that that's a classic uh, um, okay, I so justified it. I justified it. <laughs> no, 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 no. no it's okay. Here, Buck Rogers. It was cave gas that 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 did uh, that stuck Buck in the in the cave for all those years. So, here, if you come up with anything better than cave gas, you're good to go.
2: <laughs> Mine was used geology. Basically, he was frozen. He fell into a chasm, and over mm-hmm. a thousand years, that chasm became a set of mountains, and he just so happened to be in them. Oh, okay, sure, and, sure. yeah. And a group of excavators ended up finding
1: him. Okay. Well, let's, okay, let's take a step back then and talk a little bit more about uh, Novel Horizons, like the studio then. And we'll, then we'll come back and talk more about your, the works that you're publishing. Yeah. Um, so what made you decide, I want to be a light novel publisher? So
2: that's, a, that's somewhat multifaceted because that started off with kind of the same idea as why Sun Revere Studios came to be, and that was because I wanted to tell a good story. hmm And basically, since it didn't work out, making them into games, I figured it'd be as, as kind of, it sounds kind of funny now, but it's like, it would just be more cost-efficient
1: to just make a book than to make a right. game. Right. Uh-huh. So that's kind of where we ended Ooh. up. No, there's, there's a good logic to that. I mean inherently these days thanks to uh amazon and print on demand and everything it, it is pretty cost efficient generally to make a book although i guess if you're filling it with a ton of artwork then it can start to get a little less cost efficient um but that will mm-hmm. i'm gonna keep going sorry no i was gonna say and of course marketing costs but we can talk about that as well
2: but uh so that actually goes into the the genre of light novels mm-hmm. so how much
1: like Okay, the, why, don't, why don't we ask you a question first? Okay, let me yeah. interrupt for a moment. Okay, so, so Jonathan, how do you define, then, a light novel? So
2: a light novel is, by definition of the genre, mm-hmm. a quick read that has illustrations that show major moments inside of its okay. pages, which is what differentiates it from, like, a novella or, like, mm-hmm. a short story. Right. Because light novel, novella and short story are all different entities and the light novel traditionally originates from Japan mm-hmm. because they're the ones who are like, hey, we have this book, but you want know to make it sell better? Some spicy artwork. And they just smacked it in
1: there. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. That's that sounds about right. Um, okay. So interesting. You said novella. So how long do you consider light novels to be on average? Usually, they're supposed to be like
2: 40,000 words long max on like 30,000 minimum spectrum.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, 30, somewhere. I've seen numbers anywhere from like usually from about 35 to 50 usually. But yeah, 40,000s, give or take. You know, that's that's how it usually works out. Um, Okay. And so, and obviously... I think most of our audience probably has some idea what light novels are. Of course, as you said, they're from Japan, and they're they're these light novels, usually with with heavily anime style artwork, because that's part of the appeal. Of course, they're targeting that anime fandom audience as well.
2: Yes. Um, well, usually, I was going to say, although our newest release may have broken the word length rule.
1: Okay. May have. <laughs> Which means probably it's like eighty thousand words long. Yeah. About yeah actually there are lighter there are longer light novels there are a couple uh japanese authors if i remember right the i think it's the overlord light novels are longer and there's a few others that are actually are long and that aren't yeah let's just say they're not 45 they go a little longer but your average one is usually about 40 45 yeah
2: i have the three overlords right here actually and they're about half the size of our newest
1: release (laughs) really wow okay (laughs) I thought so the overload was longer, but maybe, maybe okay. I I I know there are some that are a bit on longer side, but on average again. Okay. It's just a big honking book. I just, that's, that's nothing, it's just we broke the rules and we're just
2: sticking with it.
1: <laughs> well here's the here no, let's let's ask the important questions here. Does that mean that there's that there's double the art in it? Yes. Okay. We,
2: we crammed a, we, we we crammed a decent amount of art in there. We just kinda just kept stuffing just jamming it in there. It's just like we have, I have a very, what, what's the word, free-spirited method of deciding where to put an illustration. Right. And it's really just, I think, it, 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 I, I read a passage and I'm like, you know what?
1: Let's make a drawing of that because people are going to like it. Smack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, let just no, that's, how it goes. Right. Well, here, if it appeals to you, it probably appeals to your audience as well. Because uh, obviously you're a light novel reader yourself. So, it, actually, are there any light novel series that inspired you? There are.
2: I do have my favorites. Mm-hmm. That, that actually have, the, they, most of them have their own animes, actually. So there's ReZero. Mm-hmm. That light novel is mm-hmm. one of my top favorites. There's Rising of the Shield Hero.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's one of my top favorites. Right. And then there's Jobless Reincarnation. That one's an, up there. That one's a real good. So, right. And then the less serious side, and more of the fan servicey side, we have High School DXD, and then Chivalry mm. of a Failed Knight. Ah, okay. Oh,
1: yeah. um, unf- unfortunately, Um. you didn't mention Overlord, even though you own it. So therefore, this interview is over. Sorry. Bye, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a massive Overlord fan. So. <laughs> oh, I love Overlord the
2: pieces, but it's not like my. It's not in my highest over. I know everything about that whole oh. world.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, well we could probably do it you and I could probably do an overlord podcast, but I, I think that our audience and Don would probably fall asleep. So we better not. Um <laughs> uh, not that Overlord's not amazingly interesting, it is, but uh once you get into the details of uh, some of uh, some of the uh setting, it's yeah, anyway. I All mean right, once you so, say Buka, Buka people start being like, What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah the, oh, Harold, this, Harold. I, and I know exactly what that means, so that's what okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go um well and you know we get into the shaltier versus oh the succubus what's her name i suddenly shaltier on versus albedo albedo there we go Shaltier versus albedo argument which anyway, shaltier <laughs> anyway shaltier. speaking of which um which is of course the classic uh the lolly versus the buxom woman argument which you see pretty much everywhere that's another light novel standard but anyway we're again we're getting into the weeds here all right so <laughs> so you were inspired by your light novel reading, and you thought, okay, I'll, I'll become a light novel publisher. So how did you go about then setting up um, Novel Horizons? Well, before we get into
2: that, I, actually, it wasn't light novels itself that inspired me. Ever since I was young, I've always read a lot of books. like right, right. Ever, Like, straight out of, like, elementary school, I was reading books like Moby Dick, Dracula, Pride and Prejudice, Oh. All of those classics. I, like, mm-hmm. I destroyed all of them. And then I got into books like Aragon, and then Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. and also Twilight, I will mm-hmm. say it. Mm-hmm. And from there is when I started jumping into anime in college to impress a girl.
1: <laughs> Wait, That's... you jumped into anime to impress a girl? There's a story here. I want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> how does that work? Usually you jump into anime to lose your girl,
2: not to impress. No. So back then I was just an athlete who was just like school and sports and stuff like that. I didn't care. I didn't know what anime was. I didn't really care for it. Mm -hmm. But then there was one really pretty girl and she was like, Oh man, this anime is so good. I'm like, what is that? Why do they look so cute? Why are they so fluffy? What is this? (laughs) That anime was dog days. I know. I remember that specific show and I watched it and I'm like, what is this madness? And
1: here I am now. So-and-so years later. (laughs) <laughs> yep. the, the, and let me guess, the girl is long gone, but the love of anime is here to stay.
2: Yes, the time old rule. Yeah, 3D yeah. girls are temporary, 2D is forever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I've seen a couple of your covers. I'd say some of those girls are, are 3D, definitely, in, the, in, in at least in more than one sense.
2: In all the um, right places, in,
1: in all in the right places. Um, okay, so you got into anime. And then uh, you have a literary background. That's a, a, Okay. And so you decide, I love, you know, I love books. I love storytelling. I love so anime. Boom. Mm-hmm. Novel Horizons. And Okay, Novel Horizons. So how did you go about setting up Novel Horizons then?
2: So the first step that I needed to do was get works out there. So mm-hmm. there's series known as 125 and then Rise of the Hunters. Which Mm -hmm. acted as kind of like self-published, which I used as kind of the basis to build Novel Horizons off of. Okay. So once those two were out, I kind of rode the what's the what's the word I'm looking for? It's like the wave of like people who like the series, Mm -hmm. and I started reaching out, Mm -hmm. and I started uh, reaching out to other authors who wrote light novels because the original English light novel community is very scattered. And mm-hmm. they don't get a lot of attention because right. everybody always compares light novels and original English light novels and treats it as like a superior versus the extremely inferior, mm-hmm. which I can understand because Japanese light novels have professional artists and professional teams to make sure everything's looking fantastic. And then original English light novels are usually done by a passionate writer, and then they mm-hmm. kind of find either they draw the art themselves without having an art background, or they try to find mm. the cheapest alternative, which obviously doesn't yield the best results. Right, right. So Novel Horizons kind of jumped in there to unify the oh, the original English light novel community, and then to also kind of bring the standard up, which is why we spend a lot of money on the artwork.
1: Mm. Well, out of curiosity, do you do any of the artwork yourself with your art background, or do you just hire uh, Asian artists to do it? Uh, I have a team of different artists. I used to do art, but mm-hmm.
2: I have a little bit of uh, issues with my hands that mm-hmm. prevents me from drawing nowadays. Okay. So I just have my team of artists. I Are they Asian? No, I, I'm from around the world. Some are Asian, some are, Amer- are like European. Some are from South America, actually.
1: Oh, wow. So international team of artists. That's pretty good.
2: Yeah, I try to... See, it's hard to find quality anime work outside mm-hmm. of, like, the Asian continent. So when I can find them, I just, I just I'm like, I want you. I'm Uncle Sam up in there's like, I want you. And I have money. <laughs> I just throw it at them. And
1: they're like, all right. Oh, well, I'm sure they, and they love to do it. And they love to see their work on front of, uh, on the cover of books. And, yeah, your, your covers look great. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes, of course, to Novel Horizons so that the audience can go check it out. Um, you've got some beautiful covers here. Now, when you first put together, did you decide you were... Because I noticed most of them, of course, are fantasy. Were you just planning to focus on fantasy? Or did you have any particular niche you wanted to focus on? So, Novel Horizons was... We wanted
2: to encompass all the genres. Mm-hmm. The only thing is... I specialize in running writing fantasy and action. Mm-hmm. So, we were in a bit of a lock. And that's kind of why we started looking for other authors and it just so happens they also do action and fantasy but we do have one romance title that we managed to grab and so that's exciting. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Yeah, cuz
0: that's that's one of the things I notice with a lot of the late novels. And I've asked a few different people is the fantasy thing is like way prevalent and I'm wondering if that's if there's a reason for that or if it's just that because the original ones came out of that that genre everybody's just kind of is continuing inertially or or do do you think there's a a deeper reason
2: in the in my case in the case of novel horizons really just the fact that that's who i could find that's like the best quality stories because i always make sure i have to always read through the whole manuscript and decide Mm -hmm. whether it's we're going to publish it or not and most of the submissions are action fantasy we don't really get much of sports we don't get many romances like we, we're trying really hard to find titles to fill in those gaps, but like
1: it's a little tricky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. No. There, there we go. So, okay. Well, let's assume just let's assume that possibly some people who might be interested in submit submitting to Novel Horizons are listening. So to fill in those gaps. So what should they know?
2: Um. Well. So we have actually a specific program for people who want to get published by us. That's called the Horizon right. Dawn program.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that kind of outlines all the things that need to be done to when they need to submit. But basically, we're just looking for a full manuscript. We're looking for a synopsis. We want to see their vision for the story. And that's kind of it. They, they're they filling in the role of the writer. We take care of the artists. We take care of the editors. We take care of the marketing and all that stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, but we 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 want a clear vision and we want to kind of see just how fleshed out this world is and if it appeals to the audience and it, or if it fills a certain hole in
1: our lineup that mm. we would need. Right. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Um, I uh, know, is there any, uh, are you targeting like, uh, what 40,000 words? Are you, I know, are you looking for series or one shots? Do you want a complete outline? Can you give a little more detail?
2: Uh, we're currently looking,
1: we're, we're always
2: looking for series. We don't really do one-shots. Mm-hmm. So we're looking for series that's gonna, that could, will need multiple publishings
3: mm-hmm.
2: so that we can kind of build momentum with those series, build up a fan right. base, stuff like that. We might expand into doing one-shots for, like, new authors who kind of want to, so we can kind of try their hand to see if the audience, mm-hmm. like, picks them up or something like that, but... For right now, we're just looking for series.
1: Okay. All right. Um, good. That's good to know. Now, are when you say you want people to submit, do you give ask them to also give an outline of where this story would go as a series as well? Since I assume you're only asking usually for the first book. Yes, we
2: usually ask for volume one. And then, uh, like I mentioned, we ask for like their vision for the overarching series, like where it's going to go mm-hmm. and what's going to be like, the big lesson. Because there's always going to be some sort of lesson in these stories usually
1: mm-hmm. yeah it, it it does depend not not all light novels have exactly a lesson um well they well actually they often do but it's not necessarily a good one um, well it's it, the big lesson is always
2: look both ways before crossing the street it seems any <laughs> sekai yes or in high <laughs> school dxd's case is if you really 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 want to hear them then you can do it
1: <laughs> well there we go okay that's good to know. Um aspirations goals that's the important thing you need in life (laughs) exactly (laughs) okay then so okay so then what are some of the challenges you've run into then of uh, running novel horizons like setting it up and running it what were some of the things that you might not have seen coming that's oh that's that's interesting
2: you know artists Mm. to this day from the very beginning, even from when we made games, artists are always like, I don't want to call them a problem, but it's always like, it, it's, what it, it's a reoccurring problem when it comes to artists, because we get a bunch of people who want to go, it's like, oh yeah, I want to work for you guys. I want to do some art. And then they do a few artworks and then they disappear off the face of the planet. And we're like, well, that's not, we can't really use this anymore, because we need an artist who can be consistent because there's style consistency. If a book's hmm. style changes from A to B, people are going to be like, "What's the heck's happening? Right. Like, people already get it up in arms when a different animation studio takes up a, an anime for its next season. Mm-hmm. So with a book, it's going to be even just as
1: bad. Wow. Okay. So so that is an issue. I guess that's, again, one of the catches with working with international artists, right? Uh, I Have you found that most of the artists you've been working with usually tend to be fairly young and, uh, I guess you would say, beginners usually, like college students, that kind of thing?
2: uh i'm actually not a I actually don't know the age range of our artists but i know they're probably on the older side just from like their, most of them have their professional attitudes okay but when it comes to applications we do get a lot of applications of younger artists but like mm. i said one of our main focuses for novel horizons is quality of artwork so we're extremely mm-hmm. picky about who we end up bringing onto projects oh,
1: okay that's good Actually, I mean, yeah, the quality shows, and hopefully it will help uh, sell the books as well. Um, so speaking of which, okay, so how how have you uh, found marketing? Like, what have you been doing marketing-wise to get the word out there about um, Novel Horizons?
2: So this is probably the biggest challenge for Novel Horizons, and that's because we're an OELN company, mm-hmm. so we're mm-hmm. not going to be getting rights for light novels. Like, we had some requests from certain people um Have you heard of redo of, he- of healer? Redo of healer? No,
1: I haven't actually.
2: Redo of healer is an anime currently airing right now. That's extremely controversial, super controversial. That it's been banned on certain streaming sites on certain certain countries, oh. and even the original pop- the person who was going to localize it in America dropped it. Hmm. Wow! And okay. people were reaching out, just like, "Hey, you guys do light novels." You want to consider picking up redo of hero healer and um we were just like nah we can't really because we're o-e-l-n we don't do light novel light novels right and because of that we put ourselves in this little box the o-e-l-n box mm. and it's a very small box right now and part of our mission is to grow that box right so it's a lot of work because when it comes to marketing there is no original english light novel marketing plan or mm-hmm. secret sauce where you usually have to write on the anime community and the manga community because even here in america light novels are pretty rare like they're a huge thing in japan but here mm. in america they're very small compared to traditional literature
1: well in fairness in japan they've been around since the early 90s so yeah they've had a little more time to develop over there than they have here yes um and in at least up here in canada generally speaking if you want to go for, looking for light novels in our larger bookstores uh i don't know if you guys still have barnes and nobles down there but we have one yes, we up do. here okay so they are still around we have a equivalent called chapters up here chapters indigo and if i go over there and take a look i will find light novels but they're mixed in with the, the light novels are mixed in with the manga and yeah. so So as an end result, you're picking up, people are picking them up going, wait, this isn't a manga. And that's, (laughs) it it really doesn't belong there. And I don't know how, I don't know whether that helps or hurts sales. I mean, maybe putting them in with uh, manga makes some, you know, manga fans more likely to check them out or buy them, or maybe they just get annoyed and just toss them aside. I have no idea. Um, But either way, yeah, that is one of the problems. They don't, they deserve their own category. I absolutely agree, but they don't have one yet.
2: Um, And that's what we're working towards. We're... Mm. We're doing the do, and
1: it's a hard do to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I understand that. Um, yeah, and that... of course, Amazon itself only, though Amazon itself does actually have light novel categories now for both ebooks and for print books. I don't think so. They have uh, graphic novels, but not light novels. No, they actually do have light novel categories now. We can talk about that off air. Hmm. <laughs> they, they, think... they're, they're actually, there are actually three light novel categories in Amazon now ah i see i see okay so here i'll set you up after don't worry (laughs) all right so um as a but uh, but overall you're right i think the original english light novel community is still well i mean isn't that is it's it's a real challenge isn't it i mean you're trying to compete with actual light novels from japan which must be really tough sometimes So, so
2: it can be in one sense but The one saving grace is that Western writing is very different to Eastern writing. Mm. The way Western writers express their ideas and write a book is shockingly different than traditional uh, light novels. Oh,
1: that's okay. Sorry, let's hear more about that. Actually, so what do you think the differences are between the way Western writers approach light novels and the way Eastern ones do?
2: That's uh, that's hmm. It's really complex because of just, just like, I, I don't know if it's, that's a hard question for me. That's because like, I know the discrepancy and I know it's different, but putting it into words becomes a little bit of a challenge. Like, I want to say like Eastern writing is like softer, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Well, Western writing tends to get edgier. It's like harder.
1: Mm. Okay. So In there, what way?
2: Like their words are harsher when Western people write. Their words are harsher. The events are shocking. There's like a lot of like grit and just. Hmm. I'm trying to find I, the right word. Uh, would it? Would you?
0: You compare it to say when you go back to the uh, last century, like the the pulps, that the pulps are always trying to be kind of shocking and evocative, and then that's kind of the tradition
2: the West follows still. So, yeah something like that like uh, have you ever read the book aragon
0: a long time ago
2: yeah so if you take aragon as an example like if you read those pages it's it's a mm-hmm. fantasy story but mm-hmm. if you read a fantasy story from japan they don't read the same it's just the, the the way they evoke emotions is and the way they're written the words that they choose to use are very different for both of them despite the fact they're both the same genre Okay, I, th- I think maybe it goes back, um,
0: uh, Scott McLeod, when he did Understanding Comics, uh, pointed out that Western comics, and I think this, this might be kind of what we're getting at here, Western comics tended to focus on the event and the action, whereas Eastern comics would put more effort into setting the scene and setting the feelings behind the action. Is that kind of what you're thinking?
2: That actually just reminded me of something of, Westerners are more about the events and the Eastern writing is more about the people, and mm. like the character. Okay, yeah,
1: yep. I would agree with that. No, I think I, I think I think you hit it. Um, traditional Japanese writing, or traditional well, Japanese storytelling, and that tends to focus more on about how people. Sorry, sorry tends to more, um, focus more on how people interact with each other. Like that is still the fundamental root of manga and uh, light novel storytelling, right? Is about you bring two people together and we watch what happens when these characters meet each other, when these characters encounter each other. And that's where a lot of the drama and that's where the interest will come from. Whereas Western storytelling tends to be a little bit more about um, the event like and the conflict, would probably be probably the better way to put it. Um, we've got that whole Arist- Aristotelian approach where uh, Aristotle wrote—I think it was Aristotle that said, "Yeah, it was." Who said uh, every story is basically man versus man, man versus himself, man versus nature, and they added a few others later on. But there's that idea still so, of conflict of like things fighting each other in Western storytelling. So there's always that that er element to it. <laughs> Whereas mm-hmm. the um, Eastern storytelling doesn't come from that approach. It tends to come from more of, well, let's just put these two, together, two people together and see what happens as they interact with each other based on their personalities and their backgrounds and things like that. And as you say, it's much more character-centered. Probably. At least that's my observation anyway.
2: Did you, hear, did you guys hear that beep just now? No. No. Okay, cool, because a notification came through my desktop.
1: Nope, nope. So it's OK. We, we didn't hear a thing. Um, so anyway, as and uh, yeah, you might want to be speaking of which I'm going to edit this part out, but you might want to be careful about mentioning uh, Jobless Reincarnation. I happen I'm I'm reading that book at the moment and the amount of lolly stuff in there is kind of shocking.
3: Mm.
1: <laughs> and that's and that's just the first and that's just the first volume. Well, you, and you heard about the controversy, but I think it's the seventh volume, is it? That they've already started censoring the books because there's so much lolly content in it.
2: Well, the the thing the weird thing about Jobless Reincarnation is that the lolly right. stuff stops after the first or second volume because there's a big time skip.
3: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, so by the time you get to the second or third volume, Rudius is already in his twenties. Oh, okay. And most I'm, of the cast. That's
1: that's a good thing.
2: <laughs> that's definitely yeah, a good so, thing. So I know a lot of people are giving a lot of controversy to Jobless Reincarnation, but I really, really like the writing because it's actually pretty reminiscent to Western writing. Mm. It's it's real, it's kind of, it doesn't sugarcoat things or try to avoid things because it's a progenitor series. Like that story was written mm. a long time ago and it's actually the grandfather for Isekai stories as is what a lot of people like to call it. Huh. Isek, most Isekai stories that you know took mm. a note from Jobless Reincarnation.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Actually, at that one, I didn't know. Okay, so I will have. To, I had always taken that most isekai stories usually. Well, a lot of them come out of uh, Sword Art Online, and well, it goes back way earlier than that. I know, but uh, um, you can find isekai stories back in the nineties, actually.
2: Yeah, um, like but Log the modern. Horizon.
1: Mm-hmm? I was gonna say Log Horizon was the progenitor to Sword yeah. Art Online. <laughs> yeah, Log Horizon. You're right. Yep, yep. That's true. That's true. Um, but we can. I mean the whole concept of isekai is generally uh you know as we joked earlier is a really old one in in general but anyway so okay back on focus then sorry oh back on the air um all right then so yeah so western and eastern storytelling definitely have their own approaches and uh it can be i i you know as don is fond to say this though that you know any rut that is not your own is kind of cool (laughs) in other (laughs) words Because we're not uh, because because we're not used to it, it becomes kind of fascinating and different when um whereas the Japanese. Um, it's a it's a it's a this is, and I'll tell you a true story, which is that um and Don knows about this already, which is that, you know, to us, we grew up, at least my generation, because Don and I are a little older, we grew up with, like, Looney Tunes and, you know, Bugs Bunny and Western, you know, Western animation. Uh, even, and even getting into Batman the Animated Series later on. I love and, Looney uh, Tunes. You know, that, that stuff. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with Looney Tunes. I'm not downplaying Looney Tunes. But here's the thing, right? Okay. So, Japanese fans who grew up with anime find Looney Tunes that fascinating. They actually think that's really cool. In fact, I've even encountered ones that basically say, yeah, that anime crap, that's boring, but American stuff, that's amazing. <laughs> well, True story. True story. I
2: actually know a bit about that subject because I studied animation while I was doing my game design stuff. So mm-hmm. the school I went to was kind of weird because while it was technically supposed to be game design, I ended mm-hmm. up learning 3D modeling, level design, and animation at the same time. right. And and one of my teachers is actually one of the lead animators for Disney. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So he taught me a lot. He was he was very strict, but he still taught me a lot. I get flashbacks. Sometimes I have nightmares. So I <laughs> it's your
1: it's your version of non flashbacks. We understand it, exactly.
2: <laughs> but um, it's and I think the reason the Japanese would find Western animations interesting is just because of the way we bend the rules. So. Western animations, like the Looney Tunes, for example, whenever they're doing animations, they tend to really exaggerate those shapes, especially in those traditional cartoons, like you'd see Bugs Mm -hmm. Bunny's mouth explode open, he'd be like super exaggerated on his arm swing to bring the hammer down when he was smacking someone around. And you don't see that in animation in Japan, because they stay very close to the proportions are the proportions. And you don't see that kind of over exaggeration. Which is actually a principle of animation here in uh, the West, where it's like you've got to over exaggerate, you've got to show that personality, things like that.
1: Right, yeah. But
2: yeah, you don't get yeah. any of that in anime. Like, when was the last time you saw a comically animated character in anime where it's like you like see their arms like reach back like 10 feet or smacking something like mm-hmm. they did it with the Looney Tunes? You don't.
0: That's that's true. The closest I can think of is uh, Tezuka used to have certain visual gags that he did. Even then, they weren't anywhere as near on the wild take level. He might just have a character's hair pop off, and that would be as extreme as he got.
2: Mm-hmm. But when you get to the Looney Tunes, people are like getting turned into accordions, and they're walking around <laughs> letting little accordion <laughs> sounds. You see them get crushed by a rock, and they're walking around as a little plane, like a natural like <laughs> little flat circle plane. It's just like... You don't see that in anime. The ha- anime has its own scent way of like over exaggerating, like the little swirls in their eyes when someone's really embarrassed, mm-hmm. or like the nose bleeding thing. But those aren't what I would call exciting from an animator's point of view, like Bugs Bunny in his prime, or Daffy mm-hmm. Duck, Elmer Fudd, mm-hmm. huh. or like the A- anime does the eye popping out thing too. I think. Yeah
0: yeah that's like they, they, yeah but again it's it's like you were saying it's 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 not that text avery your whole head explodes when your eyes pop out kind yeah. of yeah
1: right and i think wow. that's become much less prevalent as well with modern anime because in a lot of cases they're using uh not just traditional 3d well not just traditional animation techniques heck they're barely using them anymore a lot of what we're seeing is layers of like 3d characters and such so some of those characters once the models are designed it's very difficult for them to actually manipulate them in more extreme ways right they pretty much have to stay on model because they that actually costs money to change the model after a certain point
2: yes and no from the from the 3D cg animation in japan sort of yeah you got to kind of stay on model mm-hmm. but um, here in america models have been getting broken for featured films for decades Like some of the, some of the most normal looking shots in movies that you've seen are actually the model being stretched out and broken so that they could look a certain level of exciting for that frame. So from the camera point of view, it would look normal. But if you were to shift that camera, maybe five degrees to the left, you'd see that his arm is for some reason, 50 feet diagonal. But that's because the author, that was because the director really wanted that fist to have a really strong
1: foreshadow. Uh, Yeah. Let's go, foreshortening. Wow. Right. Okay. No, that, that, no okay. that makes sense. Actually, that, that does make sense. So oh. here's a question then. Have you, are, are you the guy who comes up with a lot of the ideas behind the, uh, the covers? I know mean, you're not drawing them yourself, but have you been actually been kind of masterminding how the covers look for these books? Yes, I act as the art director as well as the director-director. Oh, okay, interesting. And so do you like give them any kind of like stick figures or do you just try to describe what the, what it should look like? How, how how does that process work with the artists and the covers? I do both. So when I, whenever I start off on
2: a piece that does not exist yet, I tell the mm-hmm. artist, there's the emotions, there's the feel, there's a quick brief of what I want. Give me three sketches and I'll pick one that I want or we're going to make another three and usually, they get, it, they get something I, I'm generally OK with on the first try. And mm-hmm. then that's kind of where we go into the next phase. Where it's like, OK, so here's the sketch we're going with. The silhouette value here is poor. The pose here is poor. I don't, I'm not feeling the personality of the character coming through on mm-hmm. this drawing. So let's fix this, this, and this, and this, and this. So that's where we're finding the sketch to kind of feel a little bit more alive. Right. And then we go into the color, the clean line work and then to the color stage. And, a, and every single time I'm pointing, I'm reviewing every single stage and pointing out something that might be wrong, something that might work better, or I just leave it alone. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, that's pretty good. that's good with that.
1: Okay. Hmm. Interesting. So, so I imagine for some artists, you must be a nightmare. And for some <laughs> artists, you're a godsend.
2: Well, so I try to keep, stay pretty fluid. Like, I try to make it so that our artists can, like, feel a part of themselves in the work. Right. So I kind of try to go with what they're feeling, like, what their – where their personality, where their heart lies. Because once your artists get uninspired, their quality of their work kind of falls off. Mm-hmm. So that's why a lot of our art ends up looking as lively as it does. And that's just because a part of the artist is in that work. Like, that's how they were, They were like, feeling it, you know, in the zone. mm yeah. Like I don't, for I don't force them to come out of that zone because, like, no, it has to be this way and that way. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. like, this looks good. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that looks good. Let's kind of fix the composition here a little bit and just go with that sort of thing. Yeah, that actually doesn't
0: sound too bad compared to some of the horror stories I've heard from people who do like art for for other companies and projects, and you get like a giant book of contradictory things that they want. Now that your your way sounds like a godsend. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yes, but all, all of the artwork that you see you, you see or will ever see has gone through me, and I have personally reviewed from start to finish. Oh, wow. Mm. Including the 3D models and figures.
0: Yeah, because that one of the things I noticed with uh, with uh, Novel Horizons, as opposed to a lot of um, other like late novel publishers, is a lot of places seem to go strictly for volume. So you get tons of stuff, that kind of it gets cataloged and that's it. But you guys seem to be taking a smaller number of projects, but putting a lot more effort into them, like putting a lot more into the production and the, uh, like the marketing and that of them.
2: That's also, that's part of our mission. So quality, quality, quality over quantity Mm. Four qualities over quantity, quality, 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 quality. Mm. (laughs) And that's because we're playing with a handicap. So we're playing this business game with a handicap, and that's that everybody sees original English light novels as inferior. Not mm-hmm. just eh, kind of inferior, but really inferior. And the only way to get rid of that stigma isn't by releasing a bunch of projects. It's by throwing down some really nice, refined work one at a time. And in time, you'll get volume. People aren't going to remember the volume. They're going to remember that artwork or that quality of that volume that piece that kind of just sticks with them. hmm like, we want to get to the point where people see our products and the Japanese products, and they're like, you know what? These Western guys are all right. I like this one more. <laughs> right. But then we're not going to get there with volume. I, we have a few competitors that do volume. Like, they're like, volume story, 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 from a bunch of different authors. Story, story, story. Mm. And that's, like, to each their own, but that's not our style. We want it, our stuff to look good like mm-hmm. spartans you know 300 versus the persian army we're 300 <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, cause in hell, because <laughs> that's after getting hit with a truck but
0: that that's the the sort of thing that um that i noticed too is you're doing a lot of merchandising and none of the other companies really seem to 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 be to be into that into like the the posters and i notice you're doing the figures and that especially that's that's got to be difficult and it, it seems to tie into that idea that you're putting a lot more effort into the titles you have than a lot of other publishers seem to.
2: So the merchandise is actually kind of like a tradition that we started where each each volume comes with its own like little set of postcards, like its own little merchandise. Huh. It's not a lot, but every single volume will have its associated set of merchandise. So 125 Volume 1 had three little postcards that you could buy, that came along with that. Number two had a different set of postcards. Uh, Rise of the Hunters had a bookmarker series. And Azure Wing also has a postcard series. And then the figure thing is something we recently started doing because it took me this long to find a skilled 3D modeler who could do anime-style figurines at a quality that I found acceptable and mm. excellent. Because you can find a lot of like mm. uh, freelance anime 3D modelers, but they look pretty hmm, mediocre to say it's just but i don't do mediocre i i I don't (laughs) so it took me a long time to find the artist like if you look at some of the figures we have on our site those look like professional looking good smile company level Mm
1: -hmm. figures that we have yeah oh they they do they do i'm looking at the 125 daphne figure right now and that is that's gorgeous i mean from all angles, yes, from all angles. That's definitely gorgeous.
2: It's even better in turnaround
1: form. I know, the I know. Let's the, get the turnaround right now—that's <laughs> what I mean. From all angles, folks, make sure you check every angle on that picture, on that uh, figure. Anyway, um, but huh, that—that's uh, inter- Are you finding that um, there's a demand for the figures? So
2: right now, our figures are very limited because we don't want to, because I—we, so well, they're special, more or less. Like the Daphne figure, we're only making 15 of her.
3: Oh, only nice.
2: 15. And then we have a new one for Azure Wing that's in progress, which I we decided to put up for pre-order. It's not done yet. It's still
3: mm-hmm.
2: a little thing. But um, there is a demand because the 15 obviously sold out for Daphne. And
1: mm-hmm.
2: people are always asking us for other figures for some of the characters. But as the series that we publish gain popularity, the demand will grow. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of why we're kind of setting up some infrastructure here and there, so it's like if at some point One Two Five takes off, we'll have the merchandise there for the people to just eat up. Or if Azure right. Wing takes off, the merchandise is already there. It's like, oh, I want a figure of my favorite character. They don't have to wait three and a half years for it to come mm-hmm. out. It's already there. Right. So it's a little preemptive, and it's kind of like, it's very it's a kind of a risky move. But luckily, so far we've been able to make back the costs of producing these so far. Hmm. Hmm. even just barely yeah do, do you
0: find they make for uh for good marketing because i think if you do like the figures or even like the the posters and that you can put those in places you can't put the light novel have you started to uh look into that or we would hmm. love
2: to if it wasn't covid time we've been uh. we've been planning conventions for two years now and acon <laughs>
1: 2021 just got canceled today so uh. oh, sorry to hear that man oh i know uh, yeah, Akon's legendary. Um ok. Now, have you done for some of the figures and such? are, are you crowdfunding these things, or are you actually just uh, it's just just the company that's that's putting that's
2: putting these things out? The figures are not crowdfunded. Those are we kind of take our some excess profit money mm. and we put it towards getting those developed. And then we kind of uh, what what's the word it is? we we rub our hands together cross our fingers and hope that we can make some of the money back that we spent. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> I mean, have you considered crowdfunding? Cause sometimes the crowdfunding can actually be a form of advertising in and of itself, right?
2: Yes. Crowd. So crowdfunding is our main source of how we do a lot of things, but for the figures,
3: mm.
2: we are technically opening up a different branch that specializes in anime figures and miniatures.
1: Oh, Okay. Okay, and
2: nice. on paper i have nothing to do with that
1: <laughs> right okay okay then uh well it's it's a separate branch of your company which is not a bad idea yeah uh, and we, we they have a lot
2: of work out too but we don't that they, they, they don't have a website yet or anything they just recently got their kickstarter
1: done oh nice nice very good okay cool hmm. um so where would you where do you, would you like Novel Horizons to go in the future then? Like, how would you like it to grow and branch out from here? So right
2: now, we're, the goal is kind of solidifying our foundation
3: mm-hmm.
2: because we can release as many light novels as we want. But if the original English light novel community stays small and kind of sparse and kind of mm-hmm. spread out everywhere, we'll never get anywhere. So we're working on finding ways to kind of unify the community and help bring awareness out. And we're hoping that like the artwork, the nice artwork on our books kind of gets people's attention and kind of start bringing in and kind of growing mm. that way. So our, the community growth is kind of what our main aim is. And then after that, anime.
1: Mm. <laughs> OK. OK, have you thought about doing like web comics or anything like that? So things like web comics and mangas are currently
2: outside of what our, we can do just because of how expensive it would be to hire mm. an artist to yes. do a specific story because they're going to charge per page mm-hmm. or something like that. It might be realistically easier to find an artist who already has a manga or comic series that they want to publish, mm-hmm. but we haven't had any of them reach out yet, but we also technically don't do that. Right. But yeah. if someone has a quality manga that they want to
1: get published, I wouldn't say no to looking at it you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) just in case anyone like that happens to be listening at the moment there you go you never know well no you literally never know who's listening to these things so therefore yeah no that's that that's good to know um what kind of so i noticed something is that you seem to be doing your own print on demand it seems like you're not actually publishing through amazon you're actually publishing uh you're printing with another company is that correct
2: we use both, actually. We use different pods and Amazon, so you can find our books on Amazon and order through Amazon. But we also have our own printed stock that we keep on hand.
1: Okay, because hmm. I was because I was looking at some of your books uh, before, and I noticed that a lot of them, like the if I it, when I was looking on the physical ones, it doesn't seem like it seems like you're taking direct order for the physical ones as opposed to uh, sending me off to Amazon to buy through them. Yes, we are.
2: We offer both because some people feel more comfortable shopping through Amazon than through us. Mm-hmm. But we do have our own stock that we have right here waiting for their eager hands to take.
1: Right. <laughs> some some giant pile of boxes that's threatening to loom and crush you at, at any moment. Is, is that what you're talking about? Eh, not that bad. We try to keep
2: our stock fairly controlled. So we're not going to buy like a thousand copies. We kind of keep it like right. we have maybe 20 to 30 copies on hand. And then mm-hmm. if things get out of hand, we kind of start ordering more and things like that.
3: Right. Because if okay. we start
2: overstocking and they never sell, we're just losing money at that point. And since we're a small business, right. we got to be very mindful of our budgeting.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Oh, I, I can see that. So you're just using Amazon then for the digital copies then?
2: Digital and physical. And we're kind of abusing their reach by using them. Be like, hey, come. It's like, you found us on Amazon, but come to our website. Eh? Ah,
1: Okay. <laughs> So mm-hmm. the links to the website are buying from you directly, but they are also available as physical books on Amazon. Now, mm-hmm. the ones on Amazon, are you sourcing the ones that are on Amazon or are those actually print-on-demand through Amazon's Create Space or other program? Those are pod from Amazon. Okay. Those, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Hmm. All right, yeah. then. Sorry, Don, do you want to ask something?
0: Oh, I was just going to say that sounds like a good idea because I know there's a uh... – that lately there's been a few concerns for different kinds of, of artists that they're seeing these these bottlenecks that they're going through a big company to, to get their products mm-hmm. done, but then that big company is either like pulling the rug out from under them, changing the terms, charging them more, taking more of the profits, and there's even been a couple of cases of outright kind of just
2: stealing the work. Mm-hmm. That is true. Amazon's also guilty of taking out even established Japanese light novels from their store for no reason. Mm-hmm. About a month or two ago, there was actually some outrage in the original English light novel community where some of the more well-known authors had all their work taken down by Amazon. Really? Wow, yeah, and, okay. I th- hadn't heard those, about that. And those were authors who only sold on Amazon, really. Yeah. And they were taken down because apparently they had breached the KDP guidelines And said that their work was being was being sold or was Ah. available on different sites. Now the problem is they didn't know that, and that was because their works were being pirated. But Mm. Amazon published them, punished them, just the same as if they'd actually knowingly done it.
3: Mm. Now that
2: was a whole big commotion, and I think most of them got resolved. But there's been a lot of mm, stigma against Amazon in the community lately
1: no that makes absolute sense and that's not new that's pretty much as long as kdp has been around basically they've been uh, yeah people have been dinged for pirate versions of their work being out there
2: and that's uh, why just, we don't do kdp we don't sign up for that
1: yeah well yeah that that's probably a good move on your part i mean you only, kdp at this point i mean you get page reads but that's not that's kind of about it <laughs> they mm-hmm. don't seem to give you a lot of other promotional opportunities i mean a little bit but not maybe not enough especially for what you're doing oh speaking of amazon though so have you considered doing like audiobooks of some of your works as well
2: we've been looking into doing audiobooks but we're kind of figuring out the process there we're trying to figure out if we want like one person doing the reading or if we're going to go full-on anime style and get
1: some voice actors for each character and then Mm -hmm. a narrator Ooh, that would be, uh, challenging. Yeah. That would, that, I mean, if you'd want to do the voice actors for each character, that would re- pretty much require you to, you'd have definitely had to pay up front and everything. Whereas if you just working with Amazon, it's, or working with audible itself, it's audible, basically. Uh, you can do ACX of course, and ACX will, will, you can audition uh, voice actors and, uh, you Actually, you can get some really good voice actors actually through uh, ACX. I mean, they have a huge library of voice actors, and you just put up a sample, and they uh, they read. I know this because I recently published a middle grade book, and I just went through the ACX process with, and uh, I actually got a anime voice actor to actually uh, read my book. Uh, he's been in Gun- he was in Gundam, what was it uh, Gundam Seed? He was uh, in Gundam Seed and a couple other anime, and he just happened to respond to uh, my. Uh, my putting my sample up and so yeah i have an actual book coming out sometime in the next month that has an anime voice actor reading it and, nice. and he he and he does voices like he's doing he's doing all the voices by himself um so and so i gotta tell you some of them it's as though you, there is a full cast like they're they really are that good at it i i will say there are some amazing voice actors out there it's kind of luck of the draw though unless you seek them out it's luck of the draw what ones you get though yeah at well, least through
2: uh, ACX anyway. Yeah. And this is where our background as game developers kind of helps because we've made a lot of contact with a lot of voice actors.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, yeah. In our time during doing that. And at one point, we actually had the English voice actress for 2B from Nier Automata working for us on something.
1: Huh. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. So, and then,
2: so there you go. Yeah. So we, we know a few. like um, I'm friends with uh, a voice actor on Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, you're gonna like this one. Uh, my, I'm friends with a close friend of Overlord's Ein's English voice actor. Oh, nice. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, that then there's your voice actor for. Uh, do you have anything that's anything that's close to that? That would probably be what a Shadow of a God. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe, but I don't know. Like, well. More mm. importantly though, as far as uh like having friends who are voice actors or knowing some of them, it's kind of right. like the connection sort of thing. Yes, like, it is. We, we we know our way around the voice acting world. It's just a matter of like getting the budget to do the audiobook and if it's of worth course. it or not.
1: Mm, because
2: yeah. it's like you make the audiobook, you spend like two or three thousand dollars for all that tasty voice acting, but if no one reads it, it's like mm, well.
1: Yeah. Um that's not always true, at least on ACX, having just gone through it, usually voice acting is usually about 100 to somewhere between 100 and $300 per hour, basically, of reading. That's at least usually how much it is on ACX. And that's all, usually with uh, you paying for it up front.
2: Well, I was referring to the having each character voiced differently. With oh yeah. Yeah, 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 that one, that one. Big.
1: Yeah, that. Well, and that then it becomes all about the audio engineering because at that point you're doing audio drama, really. And that's, that's it, it. Sound that's effects it. while we're at it. Yeah, and adding <laughs> some sound effects. That'll be a premium product, all right. Uh, I I think that's that's one for your Kickstarter. I think.
2: <laughs> Maybe in the future, but for right now, we got to get those books. Get. Focus on the books first. We'll get the audio books later. <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. Okay. All right. So why don't you tell us about some of the other books you're publishing? So you mentioned about Azure Wing. So what are some of the other ones that you guys are putting out? Uh, we've got Shadow of a God, which is mm-hmm. another action fantasy, a little bit darker than some of
2: our series. There's a lot of um, death. There's some mm-hmm. death happening in there. There's a main girl death. Yeah, that's some good stuff
1: okay though well that'll really entice them to uh to read it's like their favorite waifu is going to die <laughs>
2: it's, well it's the assumed waifu like because you know how whenever you start episode one of an anime you're like oh that that's the main girl
1: yeah there she is yeah yeah
2: kind of like in high school DxD, you made they made you think that reina the fallen angel was the main girl they were like no nah, she's gonna kill the main guys like whoa sort of mm-hmm. that kind of vibe <laughs> okay Okay. And then we have uh, Just just Say You Won't Let Go, which is a romance story, mm-hmm. and it's the one romance story that we have, which is kind of like the um, – it's the typical star-crossed lover sort of thing, but with a nice twist to make mm-hmm. it kind of exciting. We try to keep our stories not, like, super unique where people are like, what the heck is going on, but, like, mm-hmm. grounded in a certain trope, but, like, diverse enough where people want to know where the story is going and can't figure out where it's going. Right. Okay. And then there's uh, Echoes of Hysteria is another fantasy action, but this one is very interesting because mm-hmm. the writing style harkens back to a very old and not really used style of writing where there's okay. multiple protagonists inside of a single book. Mm-hmm. And the story takes place from their different points of views. So like there's character A in his band, and maybe chapter 1 and 2 is him. Chapter 3 and 4 is character B in their band, and then chapter 5 and 6 is character c in their band and then they're just rotating in chapters between all of them and then as you keep on reading it all turns into one cohesive story because in character a's story you're learning about these events that are happening and it turns out mm-hmm. they're affecting character b's story and it turns out the mastermind the whole time was character c and you're like whoa mm-hmm. and
1: okay. you don't just
2: and you don't see that kind of writing really that much anymore it's yeah
1: well, in not not in light novels anyway, because I've noticed light novels tend to go for very simple, straightforward plots usually, mm-hmm. and, and it's situations. just one character point of view. Yeah, yeah, usually that's true. Some often even first person. Actually, are any of your stories first person, or are they all usually third? Uh,
2: one two five is first person. Azure Wing is third person.
1: Oh, okay. And
2: Shadow of a Goddess third person, and then Echoes is. Third person has to be third person. It would have to be third person. Well, you yeah. could no,
1: you could have multiple first person protagonists, right? Each one is just written by a different in a different voice, so to speak. You yeah, we thought ab-
2: we thought about that, and we thought it'd be too confusing for people. Mm. People get up getting tripped up too much, right. and then just say you won't let go is also third person. So mm. the real only first person we have is One Two Five, one, two, and five. Okay. and Rise of the Hunters, which I think is written in first person. I wrote that book, and I don't know. Don't criticize me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: It, it was one your early work that's, that's okay it's been a while <laughs> um well that's an interesting question so are you like masterminding or directing most of these books are you effectively like the director behind most of them in one form or another because you when, when it came to this, for example echoes of a theory you said we considered writing in first person or so, so does that mean you were behind it to some degree right from the beginning
2: so when we get our manuscripts, read them over, and we decide whether the story is good or not, that's the first mm-hmm. thing we decide. Once we do that, we reach out to the author, we're like, hey, we're, you passed, here's your mm-hmm. gold star, now let's fix the story where we found some issues and kind of refine that. So mm-hmm. there's the manuscript refinement page phase, where we do a bunch of red lines everywhere and comments, and just like, where here doesn't make sense, this needs to be moved here, this whole 100 pages right here needs to be refined or thrown out because it's slowing down the story. For example, um, there's some place like, uh, I'll go back to Echoes. The story is, mm-hmm. I found it to be very good, but there were, mm-hmm. certain, there were certain chapters that were just slowing down the pace. Like it told some valid information, but it mm-hmm. was slowing down the momentum way too much. So like, we went to the, I went to the author and I was like, uh, mm-hmm. so we got to take that out. I know it's important information find somewhere else to sprinkle it in somewhere that it makes sense but don't give it this whole all these pages because right things it's making it drag too much so that kind of what happens with a lot of the other stories like in the romance just say you won't let go we had to rewrite Mm -hmm. the whole ending because it was kind of like it fell flat right so we had the whole ending rewritten we had a few events of romance (laughs) because they were happening a little bit too fast Right, right. It's like it's like we hit that turbo all of a sudden. We're like, whoa, hold, hold, hold your horses there, author man. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Shadow of a God. We got to kind of rewrite the ending because these are, are these are series, mm-hmm. so they need to be kind of open ended. You can't just be like a that's the end. You kind of kind of right. Get, get, you got to tickle the reader a little bit. You got to tease them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got to just get hang hang that bacon strip up there. So right. You can buy <laughs> the next volume.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep, yep. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so, so then you're kind of, so then you play the role of editor as well. So you're kind of going, you're one of the main people going through these and uh, deciding what needs to change, etc.
2: Yes, but I'm not the actual editor. They, we have professionals for that because I can't edit to save my life.
1: <laughs> and I'm okay. talking about like grammatical editing. <laughs> right. 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 Okay. No, no, I can here. everyone has their specialty. There are different kinds of editors and professionals uh, do what professionals do. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Oh no. You want, you want someone who's a complete grammar. um, Yeah. Fanatic basically to go through and uh, cover all the grammar details and make sure, because after all these days with so many self-published books out there, especially on Amazon, a lot of people, as soon as they cover a couple grammar mistakes or find a few things, bang, they're done because it's like, Mm -hmm. yep, obviously this person didn't put enough effort into it. So, It's worth the time to edit. It really is. We actually had a
2: problem with editing early on with 125, Volume 1-2, and Rise of the Hunters, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: where people were picking up on grammatical mistakes, but there were really small things like commas or apostrophes. Right. But then there was also some bigger mistakes that we noticed that we probably ended up having to switch from that editor we were using to another one.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Because they would edit the manuscript, but it would change kind of like what we were... Mm-hmm. What the text was trying to sh- share, like emotionally. right like um, and it also seemed that that editor was not was fluent in English, but for somehow was not aware of common English terms like two birds with one stone that's odd so like so like they would edit that saying, so they would edit those things and be like, well, no, it's supposed to be that saying because that's a saying it makes it's mm-hmm. it's not grammatically correct, but it's a saying, so it should stay like that. Right. Huh. So things like that. So we kind of had to switch. And then,
1: yeah, so 125 Volume 3 has a different editor. Mm-hmm. No, no, that makes sense. No, 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 that's good. So out of curiosity, if, if, if it's okay to ask this, so what has been your best-selling stuff so far? What's sold the best?
2: Uh, Probably as your wing, honestly. Mm. Okay. One Two Five oh. Volume One did pretty good. It was our our first series, and mm-hmm. then by the time we hit Volume Three, though, it kind of just fell off pretty bad, which is kind of why the series is being put on a soft hiatus. Because hmm. we're theorizing that we released too many volumes, too many too quickly. Because it was like three volumes in like eight months, mm-hmm. so the so the audience kind of got burned out. Okay. So we decided to hop over to other series, and just kind of
1: rotate through that. Hmm. Okay. So, what kind of publishing schedule are you looking at then? If you if you're worried about burnout, like maybe each book puts out one or two volumes a year, or is that the kind of thing you're looking at? Well, right now each we're series, doing a I mean. we're doing a well each
2: series we're doing a title rotation is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So the first title of this year is Azure Wing. The next title is going to be Shadow of a God. The title after that is going to be Just Say so You Won't Let Go, the romance, and the title after that is going to be Echoes of Hysteria. And then we have two more titles that we haven't revealed to the public yet. They're going to be following that one. And then once we finish that rotation, we're going to be doing we're going to be going back and looking at sales. If we see good enough sales for the first volumes to justify a second volume, there'll be mm-hmm. a priority on the next rotation of releases. And then we're also going to be reaching out to authors who submitted manuscripts who we are going to start accepting publishing for. Oh, nice. Okay.
3: So
2: so it's a continue, sorry. Okay, so it's a, it's a actual tile. It's a tile rotation, less like a
1: volume rotation. Oh, ah, okay. No, I think that's probably a very good approach to take. You know, you, you put mm. put a set out there and you see what what people like, what they don't, and you focus on what they do. Exactly. Um, that's here that's effectively what they're doing even with uh, manga and such in japan they're doing the same thing i mean they you put a whole bunch of pilots out there you're constantly putting new stuff out there you get a limited number of slots and if it gets the ratings it stays if it doesn't it's gone Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and that's just good business sense i think that's a good and good business practice Hmm, okay
0: actually there's a a, an odd thing because you you mentioned this earlier and this is kind of stuck with me uh, when you're talking about the different kinds of stories, you mentioned sports. Is, say, like, sports stories something you're actively looking for? Because I know everywhere on Earth except North America, sports stories tend to be pretty popular.
2: I would look at a good sports story. I've tried to write... Actually, I have some drafts. I have multiple drafts of sports-related stories, but they all end up like sports romance sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about like, sports like Keijo or like Q or mm. what's it called diamond ace diamond oh that? ace of
1: diamonds ace, ace of, of diamonds. diamonds yeah ace <laughs> of diamonds or slam dunk there's the, that's the slam granddaddy dunk. yeah 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 did um, any of you
2: know have any of you ever watched keiju
1: no keijo keijo there we go keijo which which one's that i've watched a couple sports ones it's a that's... sports anime about a fictional sport
2: well it's not fictional it technically exists in brazil Keijo,
1: no, I don't know that
2: one. It's, like, super <laughs> fan service heavy. It's not what I would call an actual,
1: like, sports sports, but it's about a sport, mm-hmm. which is hey, basically Joe, where you- I just found the entry, also known as Hip Whip Girl. Yes. It's a Japanese sports manga written and illustrated by Daiichi Sorayami. It centers around the fictional women-only sport where players can use only breasts and buttocks to defeat opponents or send them into the <laughs> water.
2: They got Jesus. some. They got some parody stuff going in there. Have you guys ever seen the Fate series?
0: Yes, some of it. Yeah.
2: So one of the girls ends up basically using Gates of Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> Only okay. it's called Gates of Button.": Gates <laughs> Gates of Budon, of course. <laughs> okay. But yeah. anyways, if we're talking about Keijo, I mean, we're, we're willing to look at stories like that because we need. So we're 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 tragically low on fan service in our series mm-hmm. like true fans are like yeah our girls are pretty and stuff like that but we don't like we don't have like straight up etchy titles right and i that's something we're also looking for to find oh. but we don't okay
1: see i was gonna ask about that what kind of like well you know how far content are you going to go but apparently like are you looking for full up you know hentai adult stuff or just you just want something that's kind of in the middle a little more etchy but fan servicey but not complete hentai
2: I'm willing to go as bad as high school DXD. Okay.
1: <laughs> That's pretty
2: bad. <laughs> okay. But it's not hentai. It's
1: not hentai. That's true. Okay. We, haven't,
2: we, we are still deciding if we're going to make a special label for that.
1: <laughs> huh. Okay. okay. I mean,
2: yeah, yeah we're, not, we're not closed off to certain things. I mean, we know our community. We know we're, we're from the same communities. Like, if we shut off etchy, it's like shutting off a major portion of our readers. It's like, yeah, people pay for pretty girls doing things. They could be fighting demons. They could be tripping on water. I don't know. Yeah, they, still, they
1: like it. Well, I noticed that every single one of your covers I'm looking at here all do have a pretty girl on the cover. Yes, guys are optional, but they all have a pretty girl on the cover. Yes, they do because it sells. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that's the truth, isn't it?
2: Yeah. So. When I started off, I tried not going with the pretty girl bit because I was Mm -hmm. like, "Oh, that's a gimmick. That's not. I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to rise above." It didn't work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) In the end, it's like, well, no sales. So okay, pretty girls, it is. (laughs) Based,
2: you you say that joke, and that's literally what happened.
1: I was like, well, I guess it's the. I guess we're going with the pretty girls. Yep. I mean, Actually, in the end, right, it's it's all marketing, man. It really is. You've got to, you've got to give the audience what it wants. Cause Cause like, that,
2: oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to just make a BL reference.
0: Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> you might be able to answer something. I've noticed a weird thing in maybe the last five or so years uh, when it comes to Japanese or Japanese style art for the fantasy stuff. I don't know why. Somebody must have done this and it got popular. But for some reason, the Badonkadonk seems incredibly popular and prevalent in the artwork.
2: The Badonkadonk? It is a trend. Yes, it is. Um, and, I'll let you in on an insider secret, there is sure. also another trend that's coming in that's going to overtake the Badonkadonk. Really? And that's the abs.
1: Oh. Huh. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah.
2: Like people for some reason that 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 community is like exploding, and yeah, first it was first it was the plot. You know what I mean? Plot like the big plot. Yeah, like yeah, it was yeah, the, the big
1: Donk plots. Yep. And now we're yep. moving on to abs. Abs? Really? Wow. Was was how heavy are the dumbbells? Really that popular? <laughs> I I mean even then the abs in that show were pretty
2: eh. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm, not, 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 com-
2: not compared to what people are like getting very passionate about right now yeah, like I, yeah
0: I, I yeah you're right because I'm thinking there's been a couple of series especially like animated ones that you would have the, the female characters would still be drawn very kind of pronounced and extreme but they're not soft they're drawing them hard they look
2: like bodybuilders yeah. basically huh. and I and I
1: did that before it was popular. Let that be on record. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, there we go. <laughs> there, there we go. All right. Well, that's, again, that's more of a, well, it's interesting, right? Because Japanese women are absolutely not like that. Um, mm-hmm. Like, on average, again, I'm sure there are, there are exceptions. There are female Japanese bodybuilders, but they're pretty rare. Like, they're mm-hmm. not, they, that's just not a thing. So I could see from a Japanese point of view, you know, it's something you don't see in real life very often. Yes, it's very well, exotic. It's super <laughs> exotic, exactly. So I could see that. But from an American point of view, well, then again, from an American point of view, you don't see it in real life very often either, so I guess that works.
2: Yeah, but it's more normalized in, in the West than it is in yeah. Japan, or in the East. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. I That's mean, what it is. I don't know how down, it is down there in Texas, but up here, we got lots of female athletes. I mean, at least around here, we're, we're lousy with them, basically. Um, and, I, I'm, I, and I'm serious when I say that, because I... Uh, until very recently i lived next to several uh, sports parks in my mm-hmm. uh, city and i can tell you that from as soon as you know as soon as the ice is gone until the ice starts start showing up in the fall again those sports parks are filled with nothing but female athletes in fact i've been wondering for years like where are all the guys? Because we literally, like, I'm not kidding. It's like female soccer, female rugby, female, like, it's all girls. Female baseball. Like, there's all these sports parts, and they're all filled with female teams. Just the occasional, like, only maybe one out of five or six is male.
2: Hmm. Here in North Texas, it's pretty balanced. Mm. Like, I live in a suburb that's pretty athlete-heavy. So... It's pretty normal for me here, too, but it's not very
1: normal all over Texas or in America. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know why we have such a predominance of female athletes around here, but we do. (laughs) Anyway. um, But back to his back to Don's question about the origins Mm. of the Donk. Yes. Yeah.
2: (laughs) That is a war as old as time itself.
1: (laughs) Is he war between the plots and the Donk? Is that what you're saying?
2: Yes, as a war is old as time itself. And before, anime was always about the plot. Always, always. If you go back, it was always about plot. And it wasn't until recently where the Badongadongs rose up mm-hmm. in some sort of ins- insurrection. I said that wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> and, was... uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is basically, a, I'm probably going to write this down as a plot, as a new story right so it's probably going to work <laughs> mm-hmm. go ahead but uh yeah it's, it's it's i don't know exactly where what mm-hmm. show what anime triggered it mm-hmm. but it's happening and it's also transitioning into abs
0: wow that's so weird
1: mm. but here i mean eventually you know you got to do something different so i could totally see i could see an ab wave coming in that's so weird but okay <laughs> That you know that that kind of works. I mean, you know, you gotta oh, try something different. Wait, new generation.
2: Wait, 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 wait. I mm-hmm. skipped a very important. It wasn't it wasn't badonkadonk to ab wave. It was badonkadonk to thighs to ab. Ah, wave.
1: yeah. That is true. That is true. Yeah. How thick are your thighs? There we go. <laughs> that, yes. Yeah. I, yep. That's true. Well, I, I mean, was,
2: did you know there's actually a special Japanese term for the for the ending of a high sock and the beginning of a short short where the well, thigh shows
0: yeah i don't remember the japanese word but it tra- doesn't it translate to like absolute territory or something
2: exactly yeah absolute which, which, territory which yeah. is
0: it's weird that you have a specific term for that 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 it's a concept that comes up so often it gets condensed into one idea it shows you how popular it was just yeah yeah it yeah. does <laughs> that, Ta- that's that's true yeah because it's 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 very yeah that kind because japan seems like when style hit the 1960s that's kind of where for a lot of it they said okay we're done this is just we're going to be doing this forever
1: just like music where they said okay 80s we're done and that we're (laughs) going to be doing this forever
2: i'd love me a good j-pop song yep
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, you can, there's lots of them. You're not going to run out of them anytime soon. The Japanese are stuck in the 80s perpetually. Uh, but you're right. I mean, the yeah, the Japanese. I mean, I think a lot of it, I would imagine, is driven by like online fandom, right? Just like us, I imagine there are huge fan communities, and uh, especially the doujinshi communities in Japan, and mm-hmm. they're and they're producing stuff, and people are seeing seeing this work it's like oh i really like abs oh i'll, I'll put abs in my stuff too and exactly uh, and it just kind of proliferates and it's it's allowing for not just the uh the war between the dunk and the plot to kick in but it's allowing the other female body parts to come in too and um god knows what the uh, god knows when they'll get to noses or feet <laughs>
2: Never. We those are those are cast off from society. Okay. <laughs> same with same with armpits. Just they sit on the sides.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they'll stay
2: there. Yeah. Oh. But if at some point they do end up starting to become popular, mm-hmm. I'll have my artist write on it.
1: Right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there we go. Yep. Yeah. Okay.
2: At the end uh, of the day, I got a
1: business run, and I gotta sell what sells. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, no, that's, that's, that's exactly it. You guys said, so out of curiosity, is this your like day job or do you actually have another job and this is kind of a passion project?
2: Uh, This, this has become more or less my day job. I used to do something else mm-hmm. and I felt like, like I, it paid well, I was doing well, you know, it's fine, mm-hmm. but right. I ended up getting like, I'm not, this, is, this isn't going to lead anywhere. I, I don't see a future in this.
3: Mm.
2: So I was like, well, time to go make a future. And here I
1: am. Right. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. And you think that there's is a good future for the original English light novel community? You think it's going to continue to grow over the next couple of years? By my hand, it will. I will make <laughs> okay. sure it grows. <laughs> well, you you need to you, to for your survival, but exactly. But I mean, but have you actually seen evidence that this is actually going on?
2: Maybe. Maybe.
1: Okay. Well, I it's, mean, it's, we've
2: been st- we've been stuck in quarantine the whole time. We've technically been in business so that is
1: true hmm. okay that's good and you haven't been able to go to cons and you haven't been able to see if that ki- if uh yeah if i guess cons is where it'd be right the, if the community is hmm. interested in buying this and is coming out our, for it
2: our best evidence that we're getting attention is the fact that all of our kickstarters have been success so far okay, and the that's... success margin
1: is increasing oh hmm. okay so they're going up faster and faster each time mm-hmm. so as your wing Mm-hmm. Basically,
2: well, let me not use. Let me quit using Azure Wing as a reference. Oh, uh, let's pick a um, volume two of one two five. Okay, mostly
1: done getting funded in two days, three days tops. Oh wow, that's that's not bad. And can I ask what your targets usually are for your kickstarters? Uh, we try to keep it low at around five thousand dollars. Oh, okay no wonder you can afford good cover art okay that that, <laughs> that 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 and good editing obviously and everything else that's pretty good okay
2: so it's so, five thousand and then i was gonna say something else the train just left me you can continue okay no it's okay so
1: <laughs> so five thousand for a kickstarter that's weird and you're you're funding it in two days that wow there is demand for these things out there oh two weeks is our also our
2: campaign length that's
1: what i was wanted to say we right. don't do it one month we do it two weeks and you've been able to crowdfund pretty much all of these books based on that? Yes. Nice. Okay, well, I, th- I would consider that good evidence that there's a demand for light novels out there, for original yeah. English light novels. I'm yeah. putting
2: that on the back of all the art. The art is piggyback writing, and I'm just in for the ride. Right. <laughs> but, um, and the reason we do two weeks instead of one month is that it's very common for Kickstarters. The, the, average, the normal length is supposed to be one month. Right. Like anybody who's done a Kickstarter is like, it's got to be one month, got to be those full thirty days, so you get that bang in your buck. Mm-hmm. And we have we Studios had a lot of fails when mm-hmm. it came to like some of its products,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but what we learned from those fails has led to a one hundred percent success success rate on Novel Horizons. Right,
1: mm-hmm. a one hundred percent success rate on Novel Horizons would be pretty good too. <laughs> success rate. Yeah, it's <laughs> dumb a little bit there. But, it's okay. It's um, it's a pretty slip, slip of the tongue. It's right. okay.
2: But um the reason we did downgraded from 1 month to 2 weeks is that we found that those middle 2 weeks, like the first week and the last week were always big, like tons hmm. of funding and pledges. But those middle 2 weeks were just a waste of time. Maybe right. like one or two pledges, three in 14 days. Hmm. Hmm. So, we decided I just I sat down one day I'm like, "You know what?" I'm going to take the big risk. I'm going to cut it down in half. Two weeks. Let me take that successful first week, that successful last week, get rid of the useless middle two weeks, smack them together and see if it works out. Okay. Oh,
1: obviously. Wow. You cut out the middleman. Congratulations.
2: Yeah, literally. We cut out those wasted two weeks, and now we get to produce even faster. We get funding faster. We get the books out faster. People are happy. Like, we went from maybe 100 people backing our stuff to over 200 at this point right so as we release good titles quality titles more people get interested and start trusting the brand which is kind mm-hmm. of what nice. we want which is why we put a lot of effort in our newest release like this is probably our nicest looking light novel to date which one uh as your wing that's our newest release it's the, oh, your,
1: is your newest release okay
2: yeah well it hasn't released yet the all the orders are sitting right here in this room right now <laughs> okay <laughs> and they're about
1: to be mailed out Okay. Okay. Nice. Okay. Nice. Now question then. So, but you're using the money from the Kickstarter to pay for the art. So what do you show on your Kickstarter page then?
2: Well, there's this nifty thing called
1: debt. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I was wondering about that. Okay. All right. So So you're, you're coming up with some initial what character designs and maybe a, a rough cover or something like that to show, or do you actually design the covers before you actually do the Kickstarter?
2: So are we have our formula pretty logged down for these light novel kickstarters what we do is we get a, we get a banner that mm-hmm. features some characters that has the title right, right? real nice looking banner from mm-hmm. there we introduce who we are with a few little words here then we put in the title of the series again right. as an in, in logo form with a synopsis after that we throw in some character design it's just like look at this beautiful girl with the Big boing boing. Look at that. You just want to throw money at it.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly.
2: We throw in some text under there that probably nobody ever reads. Although I put a lot of heart into the text.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: They're all, well, they're all well, well-written characters, I promise. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Text, whatever. Okay, back to the boing boings. Yeah, let's go. Basically. <laughs> and then um, after we do the character designs, we throw in two or 3 black back-and-white illustrations. Mm to kind of give them a teaser of like, this is what you're going to find inside the book. And then our Kickstarters also offer very exclusive hardcover limited edition copies.
1: Nice. Okay.
2: And those, once they're sold out, never get reprinted. And we only make 20.
1: Hmm. Nice. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. And and are they signed as well? the, The
2: first time we did limited editions, they were signed and i'm probably gonna end up signing these new ones too
1: mm. oh. well you are the author right so you, you yeah. can do that
2: yeah but for the other series with authors from around the world i have to figure out if we're
1: going to do that or not right okay or how to do that if we want to do that yeah That's... makes sense wait are authors around the world so where are some of your authors from are they they're not all from north america no
2: some of them are let's see we got some north american ones i mean we took submissions from wherever as long as they they can speak english well and they can write in english mm. and they met the quality standards we accept the submission right and that's led to some of us having some some international presence you know okay nice so as long as they can the english like we've gotten some submissions where the english is just horrible right and i couldn't even understand what the writing was. And I'm sure it might have been a good story, but if I, it's right. at the end of the day, I don't want to murder my editors.
1: Right, of course. <laughs> uh, well, naturally, you're one of them. So definitely. Actually, curious, how do Kerry say, how many submissions do you receive?
2: Uh, a lot. Getting, getting, oh, okay. A lot. <laughs> and I have to read through all of them.
1: Well, you don't read the whole thing, I assume. You just, no, you I would, do. You do? Yes. Wow. Okay. You you, apparently, COVID has left you with a lot of time in your hands. <laughs> I'm just a fast reader.
2: I once took I took pride in my youth in downing a whole Harry Potter book in one day.
1: Huh. <laughs> well, for the first book, okay. For the last books, yeah, that's pretty impressive. No, the Half Blood Prince, I demolished that book. <laughs> okay, you have my wow. respect, sir. You have my respect. In <laughs> one day, if you did that. I have a first oh,
2: yeah. edition Half Blood Prince. Actually, I was there the the, the midnight when it released at the Barnes and Nobles.
1: <laughs> okay, there we go.
2: I was a huge Potterhead back then. Now, eh,
1: not so much. <laughs> right, right. Okay, well, you know, uh, we 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 all go through our phases. You know, eventually you're you're in your light novel phase. Who knows what will come next? Maybe you'll become a. Uh, maybe you'll be next running a literary fiction company in a few years. Uh, the goal is to take over Crunchyroll. well you're gonna have to fight sony for that one because i think they just bought it don't
2: worry we'll take sony down with us too
1: okay all right well i mean mean, just just
2: just another pebble along the way what
1: are you gonna do well well, you put out some good quality (laughs) stuff people might come knocking for for media companies at some point i think that's the hope right yeah well what we're hoping
2: is that if we can get one of our our series popular enough we'll be reached out by an animation company from japan Mm -hmm. and we can work out a deal there Right. That would be making a big. Or even Netflix. So we know Netflix is on their thing of making their original animated series, like Castlevania and stuff like that. Right. right. So if we can get enough traction, get enough eyes on there, that's also a possibility that we're looking
1: towards. Okay. Okay. No, that sounds good. Although, m- with the exception of Castlevania and, uh, what's that, Blood of the Gods or something like that? Oh, yeah, the Blood rest- of Gods. Yeah, Yeah, Blood of Gods, which is impressive. The rest of them are all incredibly crappy quasi-anime CGI.
2: Yeah, oh. that's not going to... Like i've already imagined the terms of the contract <laughs> it's like if you're going to be using my series i'm going to be part of that direction team and if you're going to use cgi those models will be to my standards
1: right um okay well i i, I hope it works out that way it definitely eh, works out way.
2: probably won't but you know what at least i'll appreciate the spunk
1: well yeah <laughs> i can see that i can see that so don did you have any other questions for jonathan no i think it's uh i i think it's
0: interesting like i say you're you're taking a different approach from everybody else that it does look like you're putting more attention into into the product rather than than just looking at a at volume i'm wondering though if if you did publish somebody's work how much of the rights to their work do they retain and how much go to the company
1: uh, are you talking about rights or profit split uh talk about why not talk about both so how about we go with rights first because i think that's what he's asking about
2: okay so when an author comes to us we have it's a little bit complicated when it comes to the rights. so they keep their full rights to Mm. their whole story we don't take any of that and if they ever decide not to renew their contract at the end of every year then they can Mm. walk away with their story but everything that our company makes belongs to us so character designs artwork cover art Everything that we do belongs to us, and we can do whatever we want as long as we have with all that artwork. As long as we're that us and the author are in agreement. Mm -hmm. So under contract. Once we're not under contract or under agreement, then we just kind of put that in the archive, never to be seen again. I guess. Right. So pretty good deal. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, this is a good deal.
2: And then we take care of designing their characters too. So if they just have a story and they're like, "Oh, I want Sasuke with an orange jacket," we're like, "Well, how about this guy instead?" He still has mm. an orange jacket. Exactly. He's pouty, he's emo, and he has an orange jacket. It'll do. <laughs> exactly. So we take care of designing the characters, kind of bringing vision, like bringing to life their characters. Mm-hmm. So it's, it works out in the end. But then if they decide not to renew their contract, we keep those designs for ourselves, and they never see them again.
1: Right. Um, but if they were to not renew the contract after a year, you would also stop selling that book. It wouldn't be available anymore. Correct. Okay. Okay. So that would uh, hopefully that issue won't come up, but you know these things happen. And so, what about uh, profit sharing? How does that work for you? 30-70. We only get thirty percent. The author gets seventy percent.
2: Ah, the Amazon model. Okay, makes sense. Well, it's different than the Amazon model actually, yeah. because the way the Amazon model works is that they subtract. So first, you, so let's say you sell a book for fourteen ninety nine.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Amazon subtracts their cut from the fourteen ninety nine. That's true and then Amazon charges you for the printing costs
1: yes, and all the other true. costs, mm-hmm. and
2: then you get your 70%. Get whatever's left, yeah. Which ends up being like 2 or $3. Yeah, that's what
1: true. We I, do, mm-hmm. Sorry, go. What were you going to say? I was going to say, that's for the printed book, yes. For the ebook, it's 70 30 straight up, and the only thing they might call, charge you for if you have art is the, what they call delivery cost, which is usually just a few cents. Mm-hmm.
2: What we do is that... We subtract all the costs to print, mm-hmm. right off the bat, and then whatever's left over is where we both get our cut. Right. Huh. So if it's 1499 and it costs 499 to print the book, out of those 10 dollars, we get three, and the author gets seven. Right. Instead of them getting three dollars because Amazon decided to take their cut from the biggest chunk and then reduce it and then give whatever's left over to the author. Yeah.
1: Okay, no, that's that's a good deal. Okay, that's definitely yeah. a good
0: deal. It, it, it makes me feel old because I can remember back in the day if, if somebody did your stuff, the deal would basically be we're giving you 20% of everything after expenses and we keep the rights to everything you do, everything you ever will do, and one of your children until like your 100th reincarnation. So that just sounds like an astronomically fantastic deal that you've got.
2: Well, because that's how it normally is, like... That is, yeah. That is how things actually are still, because, like, let's take Disney, for example. Uh, intellectual rights for Disney are a nightmare, because even if you're making something that Disney doesn't know about,
3: mm-hmm.
2: if you're making it while working for Disney, Disney owns it. Yeah. Mm. So, whatever you, everything you do think or conceive belongs to Disney, in that sense, yeah. while you're working for Disney. And that's just kind of how it really works. They, when someone is a publisher or a big company, they demand all the rights and all the profit, and they give you 10%. That's what usually the number is. Like, they give you 10%. Even mm-hmm. if you come up with a Netflix idea that becomes a hit, then you get 10%. And usually that's good enough for most people. Like, even authors with big publishing companies probably only get, like, 10 to 15% of royalty.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But yep. one of our main methods of, like, enticing authors to come to us is that formula. Right. So it's like, why, why would we, why would we publish with Novel Horizons instead of just being self-published? Mm. Well, we have exposure, and our profit is better than Amazon. Yeah. So mm. you make more money than Amazon, and you get better, you get more exposure, and we are a our demographic is we know what our demographic is, and that's it's like direct tube customer because Amazon yeah. has every single book. It's not just anime. Right. But yeah. You get yeah, lost in the sea. <laughs> Yeah. Plus, that's that's good
0: with the rights because I know for a lot of creators, uh, keeping control
2: of their work is a, a huge concern. Mm-hmm. Mm. Part of the part of the contract that the authors sign also requires us, Novel Horizons, to ask for their opinion on mm. things that we do to their art wise to their story. Huh. But. It's, made, it's we use it mostly as a formality. It's there's no set in stone part of the controversy that we need the art author's approval. It's more like keeping a good relationship. Yeah. So we we have to like be, show them and be like, hey, so this is what we're doing. What do you think? And be like, oh yeah. Usually they're pretty chill about it. Mm. There was we had a, we had like I don't want, I don't want to say an incident, but a situation where there was an author who was like, oh, I don't like it. he didn't know what he wanted. Mm. So we ended up spending a few months just juggling with that. It's just like, oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, have you had in in that situation where you say, look, the book needs these changes, and the author just says, no, no, it's perfect the way it is, and they refuse? No, we haven't had that situation yet. Hmm. Most of the times, the author's like,
2: oh, yeah, you know what, you're right. Because we usually give out pretty lengthy explanations as to why. Hmm. We're like, this is happening here, 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 and here. And then all of a sudden, we decide to take some molasses pills, and we're just nailing along. And then we Hmm. suddenly hit turbo, and that's going to be jarring for the readers it's in my method for kind of figuring that out is pretty simple. It's like if i get bored reading then mm-hmm. there's something that needs to change in that area right yeah, yeah. something that needs to get tweaked so if i'm get if i'm if i like the story and that's that chapter 11 i just get bored out of my mind and then i like it again in chapter 12 it's either fix
1: chapter 11 or take it out yeah hmm. no makes sense makes yeah. sense hmm, that's a good way to look at it huh now, actually, I, have a, I just this is a flashback to something we talked about earlier. That complete side note, but a question I noticed because I've read, tried, you know, I've been reading some original light novels and light light novel style stuff. Let's say on through Amazon and such. I noticed a lot of the American stuff tends to actually have well, to be blunt, sex in it. Have Have you noticed that as well? That the American that a lot of the American stuff, the characters actually have sex, like which doesn't actually happen that often in a lot of the Japanese stuff.
2: Yeah, in the anime, they don't usually like to go that – well, not in anime, just in light novels. They yeah. kind of like to preserve the illusion that anybody, any of the girls can be your waifu. And yeah. that illusion falls apart once they, the relationship gets to that level. Right. And I think a lot of original English light novels might do that because they are trying to distinguish themselves off of light novels, away from mm. light novels. It's like, oh, light novels never do the dirty do, but we do. Wow. And it's kind of right. like <laughs> – I, I get the idea. But mm-hmm. if it feels forced, it's kind of. Mm.
1: I mean, I've read ones American ones where literally, like, chapter two, the main character is actually having sex with a not one of the main female characters, but you know, uh, you know, an extra female character. Basically, it's like, yeah, I'm leaving home to go off to the magic school, and oh yeah, there's my childhood friend. Hey, we never had sex. Let's have sex, okay? Okay. <laughs> and, they, and they and we get a whole <laughs> chapter of them having sex, and, and then they, he goes off to the magic school. It's like, ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I guess that's different. You could do it that way if you want. So,
2: there are so in the, one of the stories I'm writing, I'm going to be mm. talking about Azure Wing a lot because mm. there is stuff like that planned. Right. but I'm not really like going to invest a whole chapter into it. Right. I'm probably going to do like a kind of like a build up and then kind of like a time skip, not like a time skip, but like a, the next morning sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's an action-family story, and that stuff, sort of thing wouldn't fit in. Right. And it'd be more like a leave-it-to-your-imagination sort of scenario. Mm. And some people might not like it, but if we end up going, if, if in, this, in this case, if I end up writing out all of that, it just mm-hmm. wouldn't fit in with the text. It wouldn't make sense. Right. And I think that's something a lot of people need to consider when they want to add certain things to their stories. Like, you can have your character doing the dirty do. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But if it doesn't fit in the genre, find a way to make it fit the genre without ruining your flow or the way you're writing. Mm. Like even Sword Art Online has the legendary chapter 16.5, but it was <laughs> right, taken yeah. out because mm-hmm. it didn't fit with the flow of the story. Like The, the tone wouldn't, didn't match. Yeah. So no, it's that,
1: like that sort of thing is
2: very important.
1: I would agree. I would agree. Um, do you think the action in American stuff is different than the Japanese stuff as well? I,
2: I would think so, actually. I think when I, whenever it comes to, like, American-style action, it's mm-hmm. based on, like, the actual actions being taken. Like mm-hmm. the movements, like swinging the sword, jumping up, shooting light, whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. While in the in light novel, it's more thought-based. okay. So it's like it's more like the intellectual side versus the physical side. It's just like uh, entering combat is like, oh, I'm going to do this, that and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. More so, Yeah. And I, that's what I do when in my style of writing. I'm more action than I am. Like I don't write out the thoughts too much, but mm-hmm. I keep my action scenes short and quick because I mean, that's what right. action is. One of the major flaws I see in a lot of amateur writers is that they drag on their action scenes. It's just like this one action has like one paragraph dedicated to it. It's like, nah, man, when you're doing an action scene, it's got to be as fast as it's happening. It's like I swung the sword gracefully as the air whistled through the wind and I could feel my arm getting ready as it. it's like, no, that's too much. You swung the sword. Go. Boom. Dude's done. right. Well, huh?
1: Yeah, definitely, and and light novels usually tend to go for quick and quick, efficient and dirty. That's that's definitely true. Okay, yeah. And, and how do you feel about the whole um, the OP protagonist thing that a lot of light novels seem to have? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these protagonists that are horribly overpowered. That I might call that my guilty pleasure because I <laughs> actually, whenever it's well
2: done, I just love watching because it's it's not it's not so much like I'm in awe. I just mm-hmm. love it whenever another character tries to challenge them. I just love mm. that. <laughs> like I'm always laughing when I'm, I'm I'm over here. It's just like, oh, the OP character is over here trying to do something. Another guy's like, you think you can beat me? And I'm over here on the side. I'm like, yes, I do think I know he can beat you, but I want to see you try your best not to die. Mm. <laughs> right, it's like definitely. Give it your best shot. Like um, mm. like a famous OP characters. Uh, Shiba Tatsuya from the Irregular high, Magic High School. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's super OP, yeah. He's super OP, and he's very popular. And that mm-hmm. first fight with Hatori Hanzo, whenever he's calling him a weed, is like, how am I going to lose to a weed? I'm going to do this and that. It's going to be over in a second. And then he's just like one second later, he's already on the floor. And I'm like, you really thought. <laughs> you really thought, yep. my man. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. Well, that describes pretty much every fight in Overlord, too. Um it's just, and if you're going up against Nazareth, you're just done. It's just not going to happen.
2: You, you basically are. And so, and that's kind of where that genre for some people falls off because it's like, oh, well, I know they're going to always win. But right. there's kind of what the writers of those series kind of do mm-hmm. is they have, they have a unique way of making it still interesting.
3: Mm-hmm. So,
2: like, we still like watching the adventures of Shiba Tatsuya because it's not always Shiba Tatsuya solving the problem. Right, yeah. Sometimes it's his friends who are actually efficient at doing what they do, and they're actually pretty talented. And mm-hmm. then sometimes, you know, we have things like Overlord, where he lets the other—he he writes the perspectives of the other kingdoms. Yeah, the other—yeah, that's true. Yep. Yeah, so it's not always about Nazarick and Ainz doing the Ainz. And Ainz doesn't always just kill everybody. Like, he has this, like, big grand ceremony for the lizard people.
1: hmm
2: Or he establishes the sorcerer kingdom— Yep. So it's, it becomes less about the fighting and more kind of like the politics.
1: Well, yeah, that was one way to kind of pad it out. Einz appears less and less as actually as the story goes on mm-hmm. or, and does less and less, of course. But that's the joke That's the joke of Overlord, right? Einz goes for a walk and conquers the kingdom by accident. <laughs> I mean, no, no. Einz goes for a walk and his minions assume
2: he wants to conquer the kingdom in that direction.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that works.
2: <laughs> and they do it.
1: Exactly. They, but I, they may, it's, it's, like, it's literally they're conquering the kingdoms in his path. It's just, oh, okay. I don't want this, but all right.
2: But, <laughs> but I think the best example of overpowered characters that has nothing mm-hmm. to do with fighting is Mao Yusha. Okay, why? That is a very old show. And mm-hmm. the reason is because it has nothing to do with fighting. It's literally world-building, agriculture, technology, like, strictly no fighting but the two main characters the main guy and the main girl are the equivalent of tactical nukes for the respective races in terms of power and they actually use a level like they they use the standard level system and the character the two main characters are maxed out of Hmm. all their stats that are level 99 right so they're they're effectively unbeatable in their respective worlds but there's there's rarely and and there's no fighting that really takes place because it's the demon king, which is a female in this story, and the hero, which is a dude. Mm-hmm. But they, instead of killing each other, they end up working together to make the world a better place for coexistence between demons and humans.
1: Right. right.
2: Okay. And the only time you really get to see them display their power is when, like, there's a one scene where the hero goes undercover as a demon general, and the demon king is introducing him to her subjects. And it's like, this is my loyal general who will make sure that everybody stays in 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 line. Mm-hmm. and nobody's buying it because he's just like swinging his sword around dramatically so they end up saying so that one of the maids on the side is like do something flashy and he destroys a whole mountain range <laughs> 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 it's oh, like alright okay. alright and then the crowd starts cheering and I'm like okay yeah I mean I'll that, do it <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. but I think that's a really good because they're both severely overpowered but has nothing to do with fighting
3: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: like the aspects of them being overpowered never comes into play because it's always about world building right yeah it's more about the world around them it's not actually about them mm-hmm. and then there's the exact opposite which is one punch man <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which becomes interesting because they stop talking about Saitama they start talking about Genos and King and all the other characters Silver Fang Bang mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. but and isn't it ultimately no you say it's the opposite but I would argue it's actually the same thing they're ultimately, they just kind of let Saitama fade into the background, but it's still just about the world around him. And even with those other characters, they're overpowered, and it's still about the characters around, them. it's still about the world, it's not about the character.
2: True.
0: I, I'd kind of disagree, because the mm-hmm. thing w- the, the thing with Saitama is, mm-hmm. as you read the, the series, mm-hmm. you learn that the whole world exists, like all of these great heroes and all of these things and all these days being saved it was always him. It's just nobody notices that it's him.
2: Oh, yeah. There are some of the heroes that were inspired to become heroes because of him and stuff.
1: Yeah. yeah actually, I mean, that's not quite true. I mean, Don, you're probably not that far along. Actually, I don't know. You're not re- you are reading the volumes as they come out, right, Don? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to tell you something. That There's a character they've referenced called Blast. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Brast. Bla- Blast. Yeah. Bla- no, no. Blast is actually... Here. Blast is basically that world's Superman, and he okay. does exist. There is an actual other Superman besides Saitama who's doing things. It's not all Saitama. But we yeah, don't but, know. We don't know anything about Blast. Is the thing? Well, yeah, we, we know a little bit about him. We know that he's doing stuff, but we don't know to what. <laughs> and that he has done stuff because we're in Flash anyway. Whatever. We're getting spoilers territory here, but um, yeah, because I, I was going to mm-hmm. point out they the
0: they, they just revealed that essentially the whole Hero Alliance exists. Because of Saitama. Oh yeah, I remember yeah. Yep. That. <laughs> that's that's true. That's he even drew nipples on me. Damn that kid. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but um, what was the main topic here before? Oh no, I oh, yeah, mean,
1: overpowered characters. Overpowered yeah. characters, right? So okay, so so and uh, it, it, and here you're not alone. I mean, let's face it, overpowered characters are is what pretty much sells, especially with the web novel, light novel audience. <laughs> That's what that's what it sells. Let's yeah, be honest. It. And I, I enjoy reading about them when they're well done. And
2: when it comes to the stories I write, I actually do the opposite. I have either I have a like in Azure Wing, the character is overpowered, but I depower him severely. So he's basically a weakling.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And one two five, he is the weakest of the weak. And okay. that's and same thing in Rise of the Hunters.
1: So I take the opposite. Okay, spectrum. you take you you take, you take the opposite. Okay. So how do you keep him front and center then?
2: So in 125, he makes up for his weakness with his ingenuity. Mm-hmm. So he's a, he's a technological genius who's mm-hmm. taken to a fantasy world. Right. So he figures out how to recreate some portions of his technology with foreign material to kind mm-hmm. of give himself an edge. Mm-hmm. But he's still weak and relies on his allies. Right. But his charm is more in his like his spunk, like his Mm -hmm. desire to like be better, his confidence and how he doesn't stay down. Right. And as your wing, it's more like having to cope with the fact that you're not powerful anymore. Mm -hmm. And kind of finding
1: ways to make up for that in different aspects. Okay, while still being surrounded by incredibly powerful hot women. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that, man. Okay. Exactly.
2: See, that's a that's a funny thing. In so I they, they always I always design the girls to fulfill certain like demographics, I guess. Hmm. Well, and I always got to have a tall girl. I always got to have like at least <laughs> a tall girl who's at least six feet two. At okay. least maybe seven feet. Hey, we all like what we like, man. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I don't know why I started doing that, but all I know, it's become a trend lately.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, Japanese do the same thing, all right? That's why we see the same types pop up over and over and over again in anime and light novels. Right. They've, they've even codified them. The tsundere, the dandere, the... Yankere. Oh, yeah, the spectrum. What? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so th- they're all there. They're all coded, and they're all there waiting for you if you want them. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta, it all depends on what you're into.
2: Right, and I gotta, you always got to make sure you, you're all-inclusive. The only thing that's not in my stories are lollies.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, from an American perspective, that's probably the right way to go.
2: The only character that's a lolly mm-hmm. in my stories is in a zero-wing, and she's only a lolly in a flashback because it's the past. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she's an adult by the time, by current timeline standards.
1: Right. Okay. I'm talking about
2: like a full, I'm talking, I'm not talking about like Lolly who's a thousand years. No, I'm talking about like full ass grown woman.
1: Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair Mm -hmm. enough. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to do the Lolly things, especially with Amazon these days, because someone could actually peg you and say, hey, you know, there's like, you know, inappropriate content in this book and bang, you're gone from Amazon in like two seconds flat. Basically. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, inappropriate a, content's not bad. It's when it's the wrong age group. It's the wrong age group. Yeah, yeah, which is why there are some... There, there are a couple of light novels I can think of that I'm amazed no one's flagged. <laughs> I'm, I'm truly amazed that no one's flagged a lot of them, actually.
2: I know a few OELNs that are pretty mm, spicy, I guess. <laughs> I'm talking about the Japanese
1: ones, but... Uh, oh. Like, yeah, they, like, like the, some. Of the, there's there's almost... Al- there's always a lolly. There's always a lolly, and some of them are yeah okay. there's a lot of thousand year old lollies oh vampire lollies that okay, fine, yeah, whatever um, uh, that just look like low, but sometimes there's actual lollies in there, and you're like, How is this not being flagged?
2: right, but I mean so each their own that's not i'm that's not something that I'm gonna be putting in that's any of my could. works, yeah, and mm, depending on how it's done, I may or may not change it was exists in manuscript that's being submitted depending on the context like if it's a if it's a manuscript that's like about magical girls i'm like okay fine they can mm. they're
1: magical if we're going madoka Magica up in here okay that's fine yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well that's but then again that no one's actually having sex in any of those so it's it's generally okay it's,
2: exactly no they're just dying horrifying deaths that's yeah. fine that's well,
1: that, that's the good american <laughs> tradition right but you know, a par- paratits is the devil, but you know, ultraviolence, a okay.
2: It's good. It's just <laughs> fine. A plus.
1: <laughs> exactly. Any violence always okay, but sex? No, none of that. Thanks. No, no, thank you. Anyway. All right. So we should probably bring this one to a close. So um Thank you so much, Jonathan, for hanging out with us for you know a little time here and uh, and telling us all about uh, Novel Horizons and uh, your program and the books that you guys are putting out and your your thoughts on like novel publishing and everything. It's been very interesting. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Oh, and uh, hopefully, you will uh, maybe even get a few submissions thanks to uh, the show. If anyone's interested in you know publishing a light novel, you know Jonathan has mentioned that there's a program there. We've got the link to Novel Horizons, of course, in the show notes for the episode. But the, of course, the URL is NovelHorizons.com. So I think you can probably find it on your own as well, even if you don't want to go to the show notes. But you should anyway, because you should go there and leave comments and questions and uh, check out the show notes because they're always interesting we put a lot of work into them so go look at them (laughs) damn it
2: (laughs) oh but it is worth noting that submissions authors Mm -hmm. who do submit we will let them know when it's time for the next cycle so we're not going to straight up review a a manuscript as soon as we get it it's when the next slots open up where we choose our who which story we're going to throw in there and we Mm -hmm. reach out
1: Oh okay, no no no. That's that that's good to know. So can be so you only accept submissions during certain windows. No, then? we
2: accept we accept submissions year round, mm-hmm. but we only reach out to authors. Right. Okay.
1: When the slots open up. But do you let them know that their submission was received?
2: Yeah, we so we kind of we throw some messages like, "Hey, thanks for submitting," things mm-hmm. like that, or
1: yeah. Yeah, that's kind mm-hmm. of okay, how we Okay. Do. No, see so, you so you do let them know. Okay, that's good. That's good. All right then. Okay, so def- so definitely if you've got some great ideas about a story that does not involve lollies, but otherwise is uh, light novel stuff and maybe a little sports, maybe a little, you know, etchy. Novel Horizons is looking for you folks. So get edgy out sport. there and hmm?
2: <laughs> etchy Sports.
1: Etchy sports, there we go. <laughs> well, like the one you mentioned, Kego there or whatever. K-Joe. That that's definitely etchy sports.
2: Revolutionary.
1: <laughs> exactly (laughs) so if you can come with a new sport a new original etchy sport that's even better (laughs) anyway so have a great night folks thanks for listening and talk to you next time bye and work on those abs thanks for listening to the show if you'd like to hear more or join the conversation come visit us at obeythedna.com You can also find us on iTunes, or whatever fine podcast site forgot to lock their back door. So until next time, remember that to master the nerdly arts takes time, practice, and enough Coca-Cola to drop a rhino. See ya!